0: You're listening to audio from The House, located in Kelowna, B.C. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit us at thehouseonline.ca. Well, good morning. It is good to be with you. My name is Oliver. For those who don't know, I'm the Connections Pastor here, and looking forward to sharing with you this morning with hope. Uh, some of the things people said, my God gives me constant hope. Hope is the only thing bigger than fear. Fear. Hope is what gets us through the day. Hope is everything we need to carry on. You know what this world needs more of? is people of hope. People who have hope and who share hope. Because we, we all know that one person who you talk to them and you feel like the hope is just sucked out of your life. Like there's nothing good that you could say that will cheer them up. It's like, Beautiful day outside. Oh, it's so sunny. My eyes are getting fried. Okay. Long weekend, hey? Oh, not long enough. Okay. It's, it's great how many students attend the house. Oh, yeah, but they just put on a show. Okay. People of hope, I think, look and act different, and the world needs more people of hope. People who have it and who share it. And so the question is, what do people of hope look like? I think people of hope aren't defined by their present situation. They have room for things to go not according to plan. They don't cling to their wealth or their status or their stuff, but they give it freely and unconditionally. They don't despair when Donald Trump or Justin Trudeau or someone else gets into office. People of hope look and act differently. Imagine if we carried around hope with us so profoundly that people just experienced hope. It just spilled over onto them. People of hope aren't crushed by a rejection into med school or university. They come alongside a grieving mother who's had a recent miscarriage. They stand outside in the freezing cold weather with hot chocolate and sandwiches, and they give it to people who don't have enough money to afford that. People of hope look at an empty plot of land and they see a flourishing church or hospital or school. I Think they look different, they act different. They don't look around at other churches with a different gospel expression than their own who are seeing life and transformation and Jesus lifted high and say, yeah, but their theology isn't quite right. They, they let women preach or they don't let women preach. Their music's too loud. Their music's not loud enough. People of Hope aren't like that. They open their home to strangers on holidays like Christmas, and they aren't shaken when legislation passes to legalize marijuana or include gender-neutral bathrooms in our schools. Hope is an essential for the journey of life and faith. That's why we're talking about it this morning as part of this series. What if we were a community of hope, people who had it, who cling to it, but who could share it with others? I think people of hope are the people that Jesus talks about in Matthew 5 when he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people, put, uh, people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So this morning, I want to I teach you and talk about hope uh, in kind of two ways. Hope for eternity after death, but hope for today as well, the present. But ultimately this morning, I hope to lead you into an encounter with Jesus so that you leave a person of hope, someone who has it and who can share it with others. Why don't we pray? Father, thank you for... Uh, being here with us, God. Lord, thank you that you are, are with us, that we can trust in you, we can stand on you, we can lean on you. So we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would meet us in this moment. In Christ's name, amen. So when we talk about hope, what are we talking about, really? What is hope? Is hope just wishful thinking, Right, Oftentimes the idea of hope and wishful thinking are kind of conflated. They're, they're put together. right? Because we hope for a lot of things. We hope for uh, things that may or may not happen. We hope to win the lottery. We hope for the cute guy or the cute girl to text us back. We hope the Vancouver Canucks will finally win a Stanley Cup. Maybe we don't. We we hope for something that may or may not happen, and if you're a Canucks fan, it's probably not happening. But this is what sports are built on, right? This is what sports are built on, because every year, only one person, only one team wins, and there's you know 30 or 32 teams in, in every major league, and so every year, these teams and these organizations and these fans they rally around because there's a chance, there's just a small chance that their team could win. And, and, and so they, they rally and they get really obnoxious and they make these signs that say, this is our year. And more often than not, it's not their year. But this is what sports are built on. Wishful thinking, hoping that your team might finally win. My wife, Carissa, she asked for a particular gift like uh, like, almost two years ago, uh, close to when we got married. And, and every time there was an occasion to, to buy her something, it uh, just always felt like there there's a different gift that I should get instead. And so she's been waiting, hoping, wishing for this particular gift for so long. Uh, and, and so this Christmas I finally caved and I got her this small, black, sexy label maker. Okay, look at that, that is pure joy. Pure joy, she was hoping and wishing for this for so long. Uh, this, I'm, I don't profess to be some sort of marriage guru, but here's, a, here's just a little tip, okay? Unless your spouse, or your hopeful spouse, potential spouse, asks for a label maker, don't buy them one, okay? It's like you're gifting a chore. It, it's, like, it's like gifting a treadmill. It's like, oh, thanks honey, what does that mean? You want, you want me to hit the treadmill? Okay, you want me to be more organized? Great. But I am fortunate to marry someone who likes label makers. (laughs) Uh, Hope as wishful thinking. You know, every time uh, Chris and I go to a Rockets game, which is like maybe you know twice a year or something, uh, I always convince her to do the 50-50. Because it's like, they show you how much, it's like $6,000. And you're like, oh man, 6,000 bucks. And every time she's like, we're not gonna win. Every time I'm like, what if we do? What could we do with $6,000? And it's just this idea of, ah, what if? Wishful thinking. Hope is not that. And hope is also not just optimism. See, optimism chooses to see the good in every situation. right? And and maybe you like optimistic people. Maybe you kind of pride yourself on being an optimistic person. Um, Generally, I think I like optimistic people. But there's a point where it gets really annoying. Right? It's like the whole world could be crashing down around you that, you know, you could have just lost your home, your job, your family. And the optimistic person is like, well, there's always something to be thankful for. It's like, oh, give me a break. Optimism. This is how J.I. Packer says. He says, optimism is a wish without warrant. Christian hope is a certainty guaranteed by God himself. Optimism reflects ignorance as to whether good things will ever actually come. Christian hope expresses knowledge. That every day of his or her life and every moment beyond it, the believer can say with truth on the basis of God's own commitment that the best is yet to come. Biblical hope, the way the Bible speaks of hope, it is different. It's not wishful thinking and it's not just optimism. It is a firm confidence in God's promises. It's a confident expectation that what God has promised will happen, that what God has promised will come to fruition. Hebrews 10 says it this way: "Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. See Christian hope, it, it, it's rooted in the character and the faithfulness of a God who always makes good on his promises. It's rooted in the character of God. Hope gives us something to look forward to, doesn't it? It's not just wishful thinking and it's not just optimism. It's rooted in a God who has proven himself to be faithful. And it's an essential for us, isn't it? Hope is essential for us. You say, well, why? Well, because if this is it, if this is all we get, right? Look around the world and this is it. Uh, surely we will despair or eventually despair. Much of the world lives in poverty. Just last year, 68 million people were displaced from their homes. And in Canada, people get trampled on Black Friday for a sweet deal. Uh, Almost half of our young people admit to cell phone addiction. And we've got full-grown adults eating Tide Pods. Seriously, YouTube it. Hope is essential because without it, we despair. If we have nothing to look forward to, it means this is it. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. It's just uh, some measure of darkness. Read the headlines. We live in a broken world, and something inside each of us longs for a better world. Ecclesiastes says, God has put eternity in the hearts of man Something inside of us longs for a better world. So we need hope for tomorrow, for a better world. But we also need hope for today, don't we? Because if we have no hope today, it is so hard to carry on. If we have nothing that's, that's clinging to us today, nothing to cling to, I mean, there's this onslaught of, of information and news and causes and Uh, social justice issues and all these different things to support and not support. We need hope for tomorrow, but we need hope for today too. And I think the Bible offers us this, hope for the future after death. Because we will all die. It's It's a reality of life. But the Bible offers us hope beyond death, but it also offers us hope for today. And so I want to talk about those two aspects, hope for eternity and hope for today. So what is the biblical hope? What are we hoping for in the future for eternity? You know, sometimes I think our our hope is is a little bit shallow as Christians. Sometimes, sometimes I think our hope has been shaped by something other than scripture. So let, let me explain. Oftentimes I, I hear people uh, they'll talk about heaven or, or eternity or, or life after death in some ways. And oftentimes the image that they give is this image of a floating away, drifting away into the sky, in, into some sort of heavenly realm up in the clouds, right? We sing songs like, I'll fly away, and we sort of just float. We kind of drift off, and, and we escape this wretched world with all of its problems before God blows the whole thing up, Right? Uh, I think when we, when we think of, of eternity in this way, there's kind of two options. We're gonna choose your own adventure here. You get two options. Option number one is the eternal church service, okay? I've heard people try to, try to ramp this up as if this is a, a really great option. The idea is that, oh, we get to be in the throne room of God, right? We're gonna fly away. We're gonna drift up. We get to be in the throne room, and we're just worshiping. We're, and, and Amazing Grace is on repeat, and we're just bowing and we're worshiping for eternity. Now, that sounds super boring, doesn't it? That sounds super boring. I'm not into that. Like if Dustin showed up today and he was like, hey, instead of four songs, we're going to do 400. I'd be like, okay, count me out. I'm coming back next week. I'm not into that. Okay, option number two. This one sounds like a little more fun. The eternal vacation. Okay, you ready? The eternal vacation. You've, you still float away. You float up into the, the heavenlies. But you get your own cloud, you get to lounge, put your feet back, you get endless amounts of Philadelphia cream cheese, right? You're wearing a bathrobe or a loincloth or whatever suits your fancy, and you are just in pure bliss and enjoyment. You've got a harp. The eternal vacation, that also maybe sounds a little bit better initially, but that also sounds super boring, doesn't it? And quite shallow. Shallow. I think both options are quite shallow. No, the biblical vision of hope is a ravishing vision of life with God, with purpose, with meaning, with depth, with relationships, with work, and with rest. Our vision of of eternity is is not to to float away and, and avoid earth, to escape. It's that God would come and renew the earth, the renewal of all things, not the destruction of all things. See, God's grand plan isn't to snatch Christians off the earth before everything goes bad and violent and he clicks self-destruct. And we escape to some sort of better land. God's vision for eternity is to renew all of creation, all things, all relationships, all of creation, all physical bodies. where where we experience right relationship with God and with people and with creation and with ourselves, where there's no shame or tears or suffering. This is the biblical vision of hope, where our bodies are renewed, our relationships are restored, and even creation itself is renewed, where the very image of God in each of us is renewed, and we reflect God to the world. See, Genesis 1 and 2 begin with creation, and and the last two chapters of Revelation, they end with new creation or recreation. God is recreating the earth. It's a life restored to God, restored to people, and restored to creation. And it is good news to those who have been hurt or broken by a relationship. It's good news to those who have a physical illness or a limitation or chronic pain. It's good news to those who feel shame and guilt for a sinful habit or an addiction or something that you just can't seem to break. If your vision of hope, of of eternity, is to get snatched up off the earth before things go bad, uh, you've been misled. It's not in here not in here. Our hope is not escape or some would say rapture. Our hope is restoration, renewal of all things. See right at the end of Revelation in Revelation 21 Jesus says, "Look, I am making all things new." See Jesus takes what is chaotic and broken and out of order and he restores it. He brings order to it and beauty so what he does at the beginning of the Bible, it's what he does at the end, it's what he's doing in the middle. Jesus is the one making all things new. See, and our hope is not in some sort of theological or intellectual construct, some sort of idea, or it's not even in a book, an ancient divine book. Our hope is in a person. His name is Jesus, he has a name. Our hope rests in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment and the confirmation of all that God has promised. He's the one who promises to restore all things. Jesus moves our hope from wishful thinking to confident expectation. All of God's promises find their fulfillment in Jesus. This is how Paul says it in 2 Corinthians. He says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. All of God's promises are yes in Christ. He is God's great yes. He is the fulfillment. And so we can say with confidence, Jesus is the only thing bigger than fear. He is what gets us through the day. Jesus is everything we need to carry on. He is our constant hope. Hope is found in the person of Jesus. And so how do we know this hope is legit? And not just wishful thinking, right? Because every religion will say, this is what happens after you die. This is what happens. And they have this this vision of what happens. So what makes our vision of, of restoration, of renewal, what makes it any different? What makes our hope certain? the question what makes jesus certain i think the answer is found in the resurrection of christ the resurrection of christ is the pinnacle moment in scripture it's 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 the the pinnacle moment i can't overstate it right our hope rests not in in just a good teacher or or a good prophet or someone who did some cool things and then was killed Lots of people did that. Lots of people said great things and were killed for it. No, that's shallow. I think our hope rests in a resurrected Jesus. The empty tomb means everything. When Jesus walked out of that tomb, it meant that everything he said, everything he said about himself and everything that he would say in the future is certain. He showed the certainty of life after death for those who identify with him, it was an announcement, the guarantee of our hope. See, our faith hinges on the resurrection. Without it, we have nothing. I think the same was true for the disciples, too. Right? Uh, most scholars believe like 10 out of 12 disciples uh, were martyred for their faith, for believing and following Jesus. Paul was tortured and whipped and shipwrecked and imprisoned and beaten and eventually killed for it. Why go to the point of death for a dead guy who said some nice things? In fact, the Bible describes the disciples as kind of abandoning Jesus after he's dead, right? Can you imagine, you put your hope in this guy for for three years, you follow him, you abandon your family. You're like, this is the guy, this is our guy, and then he's dead. And what do you do? You abandon him. But when Jesus was resurrected, the disciples realized, oh, he's legit. This is our guy, right? It's like, it's like an ultimate turnaround. They're like, oh, man, he, he wasn't our guy. And then he comes out of the grave, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is our guy. And they're like, yeah, we're with him now, right? The resurrection is where Christianity hinges, Without it, we have nothing. It's what our faith is built on. Paul says this in in 1 Corinthians. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. It's like, tell us how you really feel, Paul. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. And then those also who have fallen asleep or died in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. See, we can look forward with confident expectation by looking back at the resurrection of Christ. We look forward by looking back at Jesus' resurrection because it was a conquering, it was a triumph over death. So we can be certain of life after death, heaven, eternity, whatever your understanding of that is, we can be certain of it because Jesus didn't stay dead. Hebrews 6, 19 says that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It's a secure and firm hope we hold on to. The renewal, the restoration of all things. We can be certain of it because Jesus didn't stay dead. And so Jesus becomes our hope for a better life tomorrow. And that's good news because that means I don't have to Put my hope in myself, or my ability, or my success, my finances, my life insurance. Our hope for better days doesn't rest in us. It rests in Jesus, a resurrected King. Jesus says this in John. He says, I have told you all this. He says this to his disciples. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. The band is going to come. And so we're, we're, we're going to talk about hope for a second in the present because we've been talking about hope for eternity, right? Hope after death. And we, we need that. It's an essential because, let's be real, we're all going to die. And Some of you maybe have have lost a loved one. And so you hold on to this hope that there's a life after death, that death doesn't get the final word but what about today what are we doing today do we just have to put up with the brokenness the darkness in our world until we die is life just this long waiting game where we just are holding on we're just toughing it out until we die what about the brokenness in myself today Here's a really scandalous part about God, about the God we worship and serve. Jesus, our hope, promises to be with us today. Not just tomorrow, not just after we die, today. So yes, we have this hope of a renewed and restored creation, the renewal of all things, but Jesus, the same Jesus who promises us that, he promises to be with us today. And this is really the message of Christmas. I know we're, we're jumping around here from Easter to Christmas. You're like, what's going on? We were just at resurrection. God with us, Emmanuel. God came to be with us, with his people. We're not talking about a God who is far removed, or is distant, or, or is too busy to hear us. We're talking about a God who is present, here and now, in this moment who is near to us, who we can call on. He's listening. We're talking about a God who doesn't just set the world in motion and then put his feet back and let it all go. We're talking about a God who is so aware of your life, your anxiety, your depression, your struggles. And this morning, I want to lead you into the presence of God, because there's nothing that I can say or explain or teach that will comfort you like the presence of Jesus. There's nothing I can say to the person who's lost a child or a loved one that will comfort like the presence of Jesus. There's nothing I can say to you who struggle with anxiety and depression that will comfort you like the presence of God. Maybe you live with chronic pain and you long for a day when your body is renewed and restored into its rightful place. That day is coming, but we can be sure of God's presence with us today. He stands with us, he is for us, not against us. When Jesus walked out of that grave, he gave us an assurance that the best is yet to come, but he gave us an assurance that he will be with us today. He says, surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. And so when anxiety comes knocking on your door, you cling to the presence of God. You say Jesus gets the last word. And when despair comes, you cling to Jesus. You say Jesus gets the last word in your life. When death or an addiction comes, you cling to Jesus, because he gets the last word in your life. Anxiety and depression don't, death doesn't. This isn't just good news or a good idea, this is an announcement, it's good news. It's good news, it's, it's the announcement that Jesus gets the last word in our lives. And this is why we can be people of hope, people who have it and who share it because we walk out of here today, not, not tomorrow, we walk out of here today with the presence of God in our lives. We walk out of here today knowing Jesus walks with us. This is why we come and sing and worship We're not worshiping a God who's far or distant or removed. We're worshiping a God who's here and now. And you're wondering maybe why the person next to you with the bad B.O. keeps like lifting their hands in the middle of songs. It's because they've encountered the presence of God at some point in their life. It's transformed them. They've encountered the risen presence of Jesus and it's given them hope, not just for tomorrow, but for today, to carry on today. You've gotta have it, you've gotta have it. It's essential for us. We look forward with confident expectation by looking back at the resurrection of Christ. And it's this resurrected Jesus who promises to be with us today, always. It's why we can sing with confidence, it's why we can worship with joy. Jesus doesn't promise to make everything better, but he promises to be with you. Hope for a better world is essential, but hope for today is also essential because we are broken people living in a broken world. Would you cling to Jesus? Some of you cling to the wrong thing. Would you cling to Jesus this morning? We're going to stand and sing. Would you stand with me as we worship? to cling to Jesus so that as you walk out of here today, you are a person of hope, someone who has it, who shares it. Father, we thank you, God, that you are here, here and now. Lord, you have come to be with your people. So we hope, God, and we long for a better day, a better world where creation is restored and renewed, where our bodies are renewed, where our relationships are renewed, where there's no shame. But God, we cling to your presence today. We get a glimpse of that today as you come to meet with us. So Lord, would you meet with us in this moment here and now, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to audio from the house. For more information or resources, visit us at thehouseonline.ca.